Good morning, everyone. It's good to see you in the house of the Lord this morning. My name is Amy Winkle. For those of you that I haven't been able to, to meet yet, um, I am um, the priest in charge here during this season while Jenny is on maternity leave. And so it's good to be with you this morning and look forward to continue our time in worship together. Um, I am excited to get to introduce our preacher for this morning, uh, Leon McKenzie, um, also known as Pastor Mac to his congregation. Um, he serves as the pastor of preaching and teaching at Redeemer Community Church, which is um, a, a fellow church of ours within our diocese, Churches for the Sake of Others. And so we're really excited to have him here this morning to share the word with us. He is um, a priest and also a co-dean of our East Region here um, as part of our diocese. And on a personal note, I'll just say that um, Leon and I got to know each other better a few years ago, pre-COVID. And it was like, all, everything is pre-COVID or post-COVID at this point. But pre-COVID, um, our, um, our diocese did a cohort for spiritual formation with Fuller Seminary um, for some of our clergy. And, and Leon and I got to be part of that together and got to know each other and hear each other's stories. Um, and, and I consider him a friend. And I'm just so thankful um, that he is here and that we get to hear him bring the word to us this morning. So Leon, come forward. Well, good morning, Emmanuel. Good morning, friends. As Amy so graciously said, good morning, you too, son. As Amy so graciously said, um, I hail from Redeemer Community Church, bring you greetings from our pastor, our rector there, Pastor Drew Henley. Um, and I don't feel like a stranger here. I've been here, I think, three times now, three or four times. And um, you guys continue to change and grow. I'm trying to see if I recognize any faces out there, but um, I'm not sure I do. I mean, it's just, I mean, you guys just uh, keep growing and changing. We praise the Lord for that. Amen. Um, but I am extremely grateful to be here with you. I'm extremely grateful to see my friend Amy. And um, as she said, yes, we have been able to grow as friends. And not just her and I, but also her husband, who is, um, well, they are t together some of the kindest human beings I've ever met. And very, both of them are very meek. Um, very kind, um, soft-spoken, and um, Amy is also just brilliant. Does she get to speak her biblical languages here with you guys? No? All of her Old Testament, you do. All of your Old Testament languages, your, your Aramaic and Hebrew and what else you know? Greek? Well, that's not Old Testament. I mean, well, it's all good. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know. I, 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 but I'm sure if they're there, you know them. You know all of them. Amen. Amen. Well, friends, today we continue in the season of the Epiphany. And I know one of the blessings of being Anglican and sharing in this communion is that we are going through the same scriptures each Sunday. So I, I know where you were last Sunday without even asking. And with that, I know we, we can all know together where we're going. So we'll be in Matthew chapter 4, verses 12 through 22. And I think they'll pop up there. There they are. And uh, we continue in this season of Epiphany with this passage. I will read it and then we'll pray together and then we'll jump in. And so Matthew chapter 4 verse 12. Now when Jesus heard that John had been arrested, he withdrew to Galilee. He left Nazareth and made his home in Capernaum by the lake in the territory of Zebulun and Naphtali. 
so that what had been spoken through the prophet Isaiah might be fulfilled, the land of Zebulun, land of Naphtali, on the road by the sea, across the Jordan, Galilee of the Gentiles, the people who sit in darkness have seen a great light. And for those who sat in the region in shadow of death, light has dawned. From that time, Jesus began to proclaim, repent for the kingdom of heaven has come near. And as he walked by the Sea of Galilee, he saw two brothers, Simon, who was called Peter, and Andrew, his brother, casting a net into the lake, for they were fishermen. And he said to them, follow me, and I will make you fish for people. Immediately they left their nets and followed him. As he went from there, he saw two other brothers, James, son of Zebedee, and his brother John, in the boat with their father Zebedee, mending their nets. And he called them immediately. They left the boat and their father and followed him. And this is the word of the Lord. Please pray with me, brothers and sisters. Father, it is truly a joy to be here with these brothers and sisters this morning. It is an honor to be able to preach your gospel, your truth to them this morning. And Lord, I pray that you would be kind to grant me clarity of communication as I endeavor to speak what I believe you've given me for them for this hour. Lord, I pray that indeed with a great deal of clarity, Father, with conviction, with connection, I would proclaim, I would preach your word. And Holy Spirit, you would add to your word your effectual power that it would accomplish in every heart and every mind present exactly what you've sent it for to accomplish this morning. May our lives be changed. Lord, may we indeed be saved. And may we find ourselves living in the light that has dawned, which indeed is Jesus, your son and our Lord. To give you the honor and the glory and the praise because indeed you are worthy, Father. Thank you. Amen. And amen. And so our passage begins this morning with the gospel writer Matthew telling us that Jesus has moved from his hometown of Nazareth to a town, a seaside town called, Gal- I mean, excuse me, Capernaum. And he's done this after hearing that John has been arrested by Herod. Herod Antipas. And while it's suspected that Jesus made this move because he felt it was unsafe to remain in Nazareth since Herod was looking for not just John having arrested him, but any of John's disciples or friends or followers or successors in Jesus' case, Matthew provides this prophetic insight into the reason for why Jesus does move from Nazareth to Capernaum. It's a prophecy from the Old Testament prophet Isaiah, which is recorded in Isaiah chapter 8, verse 22 through 9 to. And I'll read it for us. It says, for they will look to the earth, but will see only distress and darkness, the gloom of anguish, and they will be thrust into thick darkness. But there will be no gloom for those who are in anguish. In the former time, he brought into contempt the land of Zebulun. And the land of Naphtali. But in the latter time, he will make glorious the way of the sea, the land beyond the Jordan, Galilee of the nations. 
The people who walked in darkness have seen a great light. Those who lived in a land of deep darkness, on them a light has shined. And the background of this prophecy, brothers and sisters, is that God was not pleased with Israel at this time. The darkness into which they were thrust was the despair of having had the Lord God Yahweh hide his face, no longer showing his loving kindness to them because of their covenant unfaithfulness. However, there was a light coming for those who would persevere in the darkness, for those trusting that the Lord would return to them and deliver those who indeed turn to him in faith and faithfulness. And for Matthew, Jesus is this light. For Matthew, Jesus is the fulfillment of the Lord God Yahweh's promise to return to his people and to display his love and kindness to them once again. Now, the next part of this passage contains one of those verses that are so well-known both inside and outside of Christendom that it's taken on somewhat of an air of cliché, right? Kind of like the, the, uh, um, uh, the Good Samaritan, right? People say that having no idea that its origins are in the Bible. Well, here Jesus says that, that, that cliché term. He says, he will make them fishers or fishermen of people, or fishers of men, if you, you get down with the King Jimmy. <laughs> but it may be difficult to make the connection between the metaphor of fishing for people or fishing for men and the real life, what Jesus is trying to communicate to these disciples. You see, when fishermen catch fish, they catch them for a purpose, right? They catch them to eat. They catch them to, to stuff and mount over their fireplaces, or they catch them for sport, for catch and release. So Jesus is telling these men, in essence, that they will go out and catch people. They will draw people to themselves as a fisherman casts a net or casts a line in order to draw fish to themselves. The question, though, is for what purpose? For what purpose will these men go out and catch and draw people to them? Well, when seen against the backdrop of this Isaiah prophecy through which Jesus is now revealed as the light that shines on those who have been walking in darkness, it's apparent that the purpose for these men on whom the light has shown is to go out and draw people now to this light. In other words... To have the light that is Jesus shining on us, even as these disciples mean that we become light bearers who in turn shine that light forth on those who remain in darkness. Friends, I want you to hear me. Over at Redeemer, the churches I come from, it's okay to talk. So go ahead and talk to me, brothers and sisters. If I'm saying something, talk to me. If I ain't saying nothing, go ahead and be quiet and I'll know. 
I don't know that the brother's not preaching this morning. But friends, to have the light of Jesus shining on us means that we become light bearers who in turn shine that light forth on others who remain in darkness. And this is essentially what Jesus says in the very next chapter, Matthew chapter 5, verses 14 through 16. He says, you are the light of the world. Amen. Thank you, sister. You are the light of the world. A city built on a hill cannot be hidden. No one after lighting a lamp puts it under the bushel basket, but on a light the lamp stand, and it gives light to all in the house. In the same way, let your light shine before others so that they may see your good works and give glory to your Father in heaven. So how do we indeed shine this light, brothers and sisters? It's through our good deeds, through the ways we love, and through the ways we serve. But here's an interesting thing I've come to, I've come to learn from my own life and my experience with others. I think that many of us find it easier to shine this light on those who live on the outside of our relational circles than those who remain closest to us. Thank you, brother. We find it easy to sh- easier to shine this light on strangers who reside outside of our families and outside of our church communities and outside of our friend groups. But I believe that our light shines greatest Our light shines brightest. Our light is most evident to the world when we shine together. If you are like me and always has a song playing in your mind, that Rihanna song just went through my head. Some of of y'all are too holy to know what song I'm talking about. That's fine. God bless you. But that Rihanna song is definitely playing in my mind. I'm not even going to sing it. Y'all know, if you know. How the kids put it on uh, social media? I-Y-K-Y-U-Y-Y-2-K. Right? When we are intentional, when we are intentional about dispelling the darkness that resides among us together, brothers and sisters, is when our light shines brightest to this world. Listen to this. In C.S. Lewis's Screwtape Letters, Screwtape, the Mentor Demon. How many of you read that book before or listened to it, right? Screwtape, the Mentor Demon. He teaches his protege, Wormwood. He teaches him to get his human to believe that the way he treats those closest to him does not matter as much as the way he treats those on the periphery of his life. And often, friends, this is a lie that we succumb to, right? We can feed the homeless, right? We can feed the homeless we can, we can serve the stranger. We can invite our coworker to church, our classmate, the people we only see for a few hours a day. We can do that. But we're still not talking to so-and-so at church who sits right next to us.
We can be very kind to those we work with, those in the cubicle or, or the, you know, the space next to us. I know we all work from home now, so those in the Zoom chat across from us. We can find a way to somehow bear with the foolishness they bring, but the person who sleeps right next to us, we just can't take it no more. Friends, people will be drawn to our light when they see how brightly we shine together. And we may fool them when we go out to feed them. We may fool them when we're nice to them for those few hours at work or school. But when they get close to us, they will recognize the darkness that is secretly persisting among us. They will recognize it. And when they do. When they sense the clicks and the unforgiveness and the strife and the suspicion that we let hang around, they're not going to be glorifying God. They're going to be looking for the exits. They're going to be looking for the exits. And friends, for clarity, let me say it again. We are not the light. We are not the end. Jesus is. We are merely those on whom the light has shone, and now we bear that light and reflect that light to this watching world. When I'm driving around at night with my son, what he'll often say, he'll say, Daddy, where's the moon? And so I'll start, not saying it's the safest thing to do, but I'll start ducking, I'm looking for the moon. And when I find it, I'll say, son, there it is. And he'll say, he'll say Daddy, it's so bright. And I'll explain to him, I'll say, well, son, the moon doesn't have any light of its own. I'll say what happens is the sun, wherever it now is in the world, it's shining. And the moon is picking up that light and it's reflecting light on our part of the world, which would otherwise reside in complete darkness. Well, I guess y'all missed it. I said, I said, the moon has no light of its own. But the sun, wherever it resides in the world, is shining. The moon is picking up that light and reflecting it on a part of the world that would otherwise reside in complete darkness. Amen. Friends, we are little moons. We're supposed to be. But here's the problem. Sometimes my son will say, Daddy, where's the moon? And I'll start ducking and looking for the moon. And it's hard to find. And then finally we find it. And it was difficult to find because only a little sliver of it was, was lit. And the rest of it remains in darkness. And I'll say to him, I'll say, son, the reason why part of it remains in darkness is because the way the moon is turned. Now, some of you, guys, some of you scientists in here, forgive me. I got a Bible degree, Okay. <laughs> But I'll tell him as best as I can, son, that there's a part of the moon that is turned towards the sun. But the part that remains turned away from the sun remains in darkness. I said there's a part of the sun, there's a part of the moon that is turned, right? And the part that is turned towards the sun is shining. The other part that is turned away remains in darkness, friends. This is why Jesus says in verse 17, he begins to preach repent. Repent, 
for the kingdom of heaven. And they repent for the light has shone into the darkness. Brothers and sisters, repent is just a big word for turn. Repent is just a big word for turn. And what Jesus is saying to us is turn from the darkness to the light. Turn from the darkness to the light. And repentance, brothers and sisters, is not a one-time action. Repentance is the continual recognition of and turning from darkness in our lives to the light that is Jesus. Paul says it this way in Ephesians chapter 5, verse 8 through 20. It's a long one, but I'm going to read it. For once you were darkness, but now in the Lord you are light. Live as children of light. For the fruit of the light is found in all that is good and right and true. Try to find out what is pleasing to the Lord. Take no part in the unfruitful works of darkness, but instead expose them. For it is shameful even to mention what such people do secretly, but everything exposed by the light becomes visible. For everything that becomes visible is light. Therefore, it says, sleeper, awake, rise from the dead, and Christ will shine on you. Be careful then how you live, not as unwise people, but as wise, making the most of the time because the days are evil. So do not be foolish, but understand what the will of the Lord is. Do not get drunk with wine, for this is debauchery, but be filled with the Spirit as you sing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs among yourselves, singing and making melody to the Lord in your hearts, giving thanks to God the Father at all times and for everything in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. And so, friends, I want to close with this question this morning. Have you recognized the darkness in your life? As you sit here this morning, are you able to recognize where you have turned and the light is no longer shining? It doesn't matter if you've been following Jesus for a long time or if you're brand new to this Jesus thing. Jesus continues to shine, and the only way that we can dispel the darkness of our lives is remain, remain turned towards him. The life of faith, brothers and sisters, is a life of repentance. It is a life of continually turning from darkness to the light. Will you turn to him this morning? Let's pray, friends. Dear Lord, thank you so much again for your word, and thank you for my brothers and sisters who are here. And my prayer for us is that you would make clear to us where the darkness resides in us. You would make clear to us, Lord God, where we are not doing a great job of reflecting the light that is you to this world. And Lord God, with all that being the case, that we would turn to you. Even as communion every Sunday is an opportunity to receive of that light, may that be the case this morning. Lord, we give you the honor the glory and the praise, because indeed you are worthy. In Jesus' name.
Amen.